everybody. Welcome to the Counterculture Podcast. I'm Josh Hill here with John Wiggins, Alex Cowan, uh, and today we will be discussing the topic of the gospel and sexual morality. So um, buckle up because this is going to be an interesting one. Um, so we're going to start off just reading a few verses of scripture pertaining to this topic, and I'll kick us off in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. I'll read a second verse here from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 and uh, 19 and 20. Um, Flee from sexual morality. Every other, sin in a, uh, every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Uh, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I realized, too, I should have kept going. I missed the last two verses, and they're really good. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Mm -hmm. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Mm -hmm. He has called us to holiness. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, and nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. All right. So <clears throat> today, obviously, this is a, a, a topic that uh, we want to be hold clear, articulate, conviction, uh, and and also uh, speak with, with grace and compassion, you know. Platt uh, starts off the chapter with talking about a friend who basically shared with him that uh, he uh, was involved in a homosexual relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> no doubt, um, probably each one of us have, have you know, been, have had an experience maybe similar to that. I know, I know for myself, um, I have, and. Um, have close people close to me, uh, family, loved ones who who uh, um, have um, chosen to live a homosexual lifestyle, um, and so this uh, uh, you know Platt speaking about how in that moment he didn't know what to say, and it's a difficult thing to be in that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I can't imagine. Well, I can't. I can't imagine being there and and. And not having those those words to say because uh, on some level they have even experienced that and um, you know uh, what did he say? I mean, what are some things? I mean, because we're talking to people who who uh, um, are going to experience that. So what what do you say? Uh, would be my first question to kind of let us sort of dialogue about what do you do? First, you explain to someone is it you love? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. Regardless of what they're saying, their sexuality is you're going to love them for the person that they are, yeah. and that um, you know they're made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And I think you know sometimes a lot of times we're uncomfortable with even that much thought, right? We're uncomfortable going, 
well, I love you. You, you know, you ask yourself the question, well, do I love them? Can I love them? Am I allowed to love them? Christ loved us while we were still sinners. So yes, love them. It's important to love them. You know, that is fundamental. And as we know in relationship, nothing happens um, until you have that connection of love between people. You know, Christ loved us. Christ died for us. Also, also acknowledge. Um, that what they've done is taken a huge leap of trust in telling you something that's deeply personal about them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, understand that. And, you know, and, and if it's your friend, continue to be their friend. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I think all, all those things are, are right and good. Uh, um, the, the word is compassion. I mean, we, we are people who God has been gracious to, to us in, in our sin, and obviously uh, we want to extend grace to others and in the sense that we we are uh, show compassion and we show love for them, and, and those things don't change uh, um, no matter the decisions that people make. And so, um, so I think that's important. I also think that we would... Uh, we would have more to say than that, right? I mean, uh, we would have to speak to, uh, on some level, uh, you know, I, I think it would be prayer to what, what does the Bible say, you know? And I think verses we read have a lot to do with that, you know, inform, informing what we believe uh, about uh, a sin like homosexuality or any sexual immor- immorality. Uh, those those are both dealt with in Scripture and in and, and the passages we read. So, uh and, and along those lines, maybe get to ask, you know, what, if any, effect that this revelation that they have had has on their faith, or how their faith informs what they yeah. think about that. And maybe they're jumping off mm-hmm. point into, mm-hmm. you know, it's difficult for you to come into a conversation with a non-believer and say, just right off the bat, hey, I love you, yeah. I'm going to be your friend, mm-hmm. the Bible says this, when they have... Yeah, no, zero respect for what the Bible says right, sure, at all. Sure. Yeah, it's maybe good to get a, a grasp or a foothold on what mm-hmm. it is exactly where they are on That's a right. spiritual sense. If it's a believer, yeah. maybe ask, hey, "How can I be praying for you as you fight against this?" Yeah. Or there's a non-believer to say, "Hey, I want you to know that I love you. I'll be praying for you. And here's how I'm going to be praying for you." Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, and, and you know, being a close relationship, maybe the reason why I didn't jump there was my thought is. I would know that, you know, sure. uh, know that person well, because uh, they're going to share that with you. They're probably going to know. <laughs> they're going to know you pretty well, typically. And so, so, uh, um, so, yeah, that, that's exactly right, though. Uh, obviously, it's going to be handled differently if, if it's a believer, if it's not a believer. And and um, <clears throat> but uh, but in the end, both uh, we want to point to Christ, and and uh, and that's the goal of how we would we would uh, speak to them. Um, the book, uh, I'll just th- throw out a thought here. It says, the book was uh, the passage mentioned, uh, one of the ones is um, very close to the passage I read. For the Lord and the Lord for the body. Uh, Paul speaking, he's talking about uh, the importance of our bodies. It says uh, our bodies were meant for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And then he talks about that a good bit. Like, we were created by God for God. I think that's yeah, and I like I like that because I think that's consistent in marriage as well. I mean, uh, marriage was created by God. It is to be leveraged for God and His glory. So our bodies are no different from that. Um, uh, that setup. In fact, that's one of the things that I talk about every time I do marriage counseling. Is that that premise? Is that because um, uh, I think I, I kind of 
reflect on uh, the doxology, you know, in Romans where uh, it kind of ends, Romans 11, with that kind of thought. Um, For all things uh, are by him and for him, and or uh, uh, sorry, all things are from him, uh, by him and, and for him. I think it's how it's uh, laid out there. But, mm-hmm. but, um, <coughs> but anyways. And that's where this good gift for, that God has given us, obviously, is, is supposed to be, mm-hmm. uh, it's supposed to be located is in that relationship between one man and one woman. Right. I, I shared this before, but I really like the illustration. Um, it, it, it's very similar to having like a fireplace at home. You have this open fire that's on and it's great. You can, it yeah. warms the house. Um, it's beautiful to look at. Um, you can cook on it, you can boil water on it, like, it's, it's fantastic, it does exactly yeah. what it's supposed to do in wanna, that area. If you want to throw it yeah. back to the early 1900s, right. yeah, sure, you can do it. You take, <laughs> you, take that, uh, you take that fire that's in the fireplace, and you just move it one yard out of the fire, it just burns the house down. Mm-hmm. It's completely destructive. <laughs> and everyone's standing outside looking at the house burning down, crying, because it's destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same fire in the exact same house, but it's just not where it's supposed to be. And when, um, when, when you have a sexual relationship between a man and a woman who have made this lifelong covenant together, we yeah. see the beautiful aspects of the good gifts that God has given us. Mm-hmm. But when we take that gift and we twist it and we want to put it in the positions and the circumstances that suit us, and what we want when we want it, that's when we start to see a lot of these negative connotations take place. It would be like, you know, that, that conversation would be like the, the house owners, the people living in the house, going back to the person who built the house and be like, hey man, I know you, you put the fireplace here and that's where we we're supposed to have the fire. Um, what would happen if I put the fire over here? Because I really want to put it over here close to the, the couch, you know, so I can just, you know, be warm by the couch. And I put the fire by the couch, surely that's fine. I'm, I'm sure that's fine. I see other people doing it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And the builder's going, no, you can put the fire in the fireplace. I have designed a safe place for you for the fire. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then and then being upset with the builder that the house wasn't designed for the fire to go next to the couch. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sad part. But you know, you talk about he, he talks about God glorification and God being glorified in all those different ways. And it's so important to remember that like <clears throat> we were not built for self gratification. You know, we were built for God glorification at the expense of self gratification because, to borrow from John Piper, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, he spends a lot of time, kind of, I think the next section really is about kind of giving those boundaries and, and laying out what, what, what does Scripture say are those boundaries? What is it, what is prohibited? What is, uh, you know, um, what is celebrated, I guess. And, and it's, you know, for those of us who are married, um, combat and sexual uh, immorality. I think one of the most important things is to just completely and utterly pursue your spouse and desire your spouse. Mm-hmm. So much so that you have time to desire pursuing pursue anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you wanted to. Like yeah. your your spouse is your focus when you get up in the morning, you want to pursue your spouse. You wake mm-hmm. up every morning kindling a fire in the fireplace. That's right. Exactly. Put right. some extra logs in the fireplace. Yeah. Right? Keep it going. Keep the spark alive. All okay? right. Let's let's Because there's a lot of people who stray off into sexual immorality and it starts because they're married and then eventually 
they okay. stop the desire for their spouse. It becomes someone they live with. And when that happens, yeah. your head starts to get turned a little bit. Mm -hmm. And before an action happens, it happens up here in the mind. Mm -hmm. And you start thinking about that girl you've seen over there. And then you start talking to her a little bit more. And then there's more communication, there's more communication, there's more communication, and it turns into action. And it's because they, they got their head turned. So especially for men, let's keep us focused on our wives. Yeah. So then be the, the, the source of our desire and our pursuit. Yeah, th this uh, thought here says, according, I think this is a summary statement. According to God, sex with anyone who is not your husband or your wife is sin. Whether that happens before marriage, during marriage, or after marriage. Uh, that's, that's the parameters. Uh, and <clears throat> it's... Uh, um, he, he talks about guarding our minds. That's what he so he, uh, he moves to kind of Matthew five and says, "Don't look at people or don't look at someone with lust in your heart and don't let that fester. Repent of that sin if that if sin happens." And uh, and then he talks about um, helping uh, the the help to guarding the mind. Um, practical implications there of. Uh, um, you know, uh, seductive speech, condemning that, uh, immodesty, and so forth. So, um, those are uh, those are some things he mentioned. So, um, um, I think, uh, uh, man, there's something here. Uh, this is a quote that I, that I highlighted here. It says, um, um, he, he was talking about that. He was talking about how we kind of fill our minds with, you know, the our uh, a sinful culture, you know, day in and day out, right? Um, uh, through all types of ways, entertainment um, and uh, uh, media. <clears throat> and he says, and he says, statement says, we're not going to do what you do. In other words, because scripture not only condemns sexual action, it also speaks very clearly to not. Um, uh, to not even speak about what people do in secret, um, and, and, in that sense of like, you, you, there should be some separateness of even how you guard your mind uh, as a Christ follower. We're not going to do what you do, though, this is the quote, but we will gladly entertain ourselves by watching you do it. It is unacceptable mm -hmm. for the Christian. Um, uh, it's it's grotesque to think that we, we we would entertain ourselves what we with what we would say would be sinful, you know, uh, to to um, for us to engage in activity. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's some some good things there. That's why I think the flee from sexual morality verse that you you read for us, Josh, uh, also comes about. Um, but uh, but. The whole picture is one where we're all sinful. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that is significant to the conversation, too, about homosexuality is sometimes people say that they were born this way. Um, and he deals with that kind of thought a little bit uh, in this chapter as well when he says um, uh, the, I, the thought that we're born this way is... He says, well, let's, let's move, you're, you're right, you're born sinful. Like, he, he kind of moves it back to say, yeah, we're all uh, sons of Adam in that sense. We're all born into sin. Um, and uh, every single person is born uh, of a man or woman uh, and has inherited a sinful heart. And so, um, if that's what you mean by that, yes. Uh, but I think to try to make this, you know, about a DNA type of thing is... 
for to even establish as, as kind of what we're trying, what they're trying to establish, based um, even to establish that. Well, if my identity is this, then in order for me to fulfill who I was born to be, this is what I have to do, right? And that's you know, it comes from the root of trying to find our satisfaction in any identity outside of the identity found in Christ. And, that, and that's something that's really happened over the last maybe ten years is there's been a strong movement towards, especially homosexuality, being an identity. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about sexual immorality, that's really the only one that people are proud to identify as. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a flag for watching pornography. Mm-hmm. And no one will say to you, that that's who I am. That's yeah. about my identity. Mm-hmm. But um, as the culture is moved more and more to embracing um, and promoting homosexuality, more and more people are willing to take that the sort of identification that comes from that culture and saying, and find you're right, just finding the identity in that. Yeah, that's who I am. And attempting to find satisfaction in it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, I think what we've seen a lot in in our culture, especially for a very long time, um, you know, regardless of, of what you believe on it, culturally speaking, <laughs> it was shameful for a very long time to identify as a homosexual person, right? Throughout the vast majority of, at least American history and British history, it was recently made legal in the UK, like in the 90s, to be a homosexual person. I think up until 1981, it was a, a mental it was illness. A, yeah, and it was, it was illegal, weirdly enough. But um, all of that to say, people who thirst after money, as their identity, where they find their satisfaction. They've always been allowed to chase after money and find at the end of that road, there is no satisfaction. Mm-hmm. And it's similarly with other vices and things like that. I think because the culture has just now opened up to a lot of this as, as a free pursuit, mm-hmm. um, we have yet to see the reality of people coming to the end of the road, founded this identity, and gone, man, there's no satisfaction in this either, you know. It's that's and that's the saddest part to me, is that they just don't even know that there's not going to be satisfaction yet. Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, the phrase that I and Ron here, uh, our sexual behavior is a moral decision, and just because we're inclined to certain behaviors, uh, doesn't make those behaviors right. And he references uh, this Time magazine infidelity, uh, maybe in our genes article, and kind of takes that to its its end and, and obviously no one no one likes that um that end right uh the, the thought is uh does this mean that because a married man has an innate desire for intimacy with a woman who is not his wife he must fulfill that desire in order to be fully himself because that's it's, it's bringing that home that idea of well my my identity is an adulterer is that occasion that's be celebrated does, does that make sense and and so uh but uh, that obviously adultery is, isn't uh, inevitable, it's immoral, and it's a decision, it's a decision you make. Um, and so, uh, um, he talks about, um, you know, another plaque quote from this chapter, he says, without question, part of the mystery of this fallen world includes why certain people have certain desires while other people have other desires. We do not always choose our temptations, but we do choose our reactions to those That's right, that's right. right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right, um, and uh, but and that's the but that's that's the thing. Did God really say? And so is the is the next question he's going to talk about, and because that's that's the real question. I mean, right? Like, uh, did, 
You know, that's why I asked it before the podcast uh, briefly. I said, you know, is, are we, I mean, you know, are we on the same page here that we believe God really said that homosexuality is sinful, you know? Uh, and, um, you know, because there, there is people who have made arguments. Uh, um, and are still making arguments and will sure. continue to make arguments ad infinitum forever. Yeah. Yeah, who are who are within evangelical, you know, within evangelical, typically considered evangelical circles. Yes, that's what I was saying. Yeah, the Christendom umbrella yes. um, of people who who uh, claim to be Christians and so forth are the Protestant denominational encompassing group. <laughs> yeah, and, and that, the reason why it's so hard is because obviously that is significant. I mean, when you when we're saying something is sinful. And somebody else is saying, no, 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 like, the, the Bible's wrong in these areas. Mm-hmm. Like, like for these examples did. Like, some people won't say that. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody who, who is, uh, uh, you know, thinking that homosexuality is, is okay. Uh, not all of them would say you have to refute that Scripture's wrong. And, and, but there are disagreements on translation. Yeah. There are disagreements yeah. on application. Words, so on and so forth. I mean, small percentages of the argument being made is, and, is those type. As our culture embraces homosexuality more and more and more and more, these arguments um, and divisions in the church are only going to grow. Mm. Because the cost of not being of being different from the culture is going to grow, mm-hmm. um, and there's going to be a lot of people who want to try and do everything they can to try and bridge the gap from church to culture because they're going to losing a lot. Um, for instance, like someone on the phone yesterday, something very weird happened in the UK. There was a we have two main political parties. Conservative Party and the Labour Party. Okay, the leader of the Labour Party is a man named Keir Stammer. Okay, an old lawyer, nice guy. <laughs> and uh, he went to his church for Easter to a show. Typical politician, he went and filmed a video, shaking some hands, happy Easter, and left. Mm-hmm. Well, there then kicked off this huge storm, and it was like breaking news. Keir Stammer attends anti-LGBTQ plus rights church. And everyone's like, whoa, where did he go? This is absolutely <laughs> nuts. Like, what was he thinking? Uh, yeah. It turned out, mm-hmm. they just believe the marriage is between a man and a woman. And they were called an anti-LGBTQ plus rights church. So that he deleted the video and issued a statement yesterday saying, I completely disagree with the church's beliefs on LGBTQ plus rights, which I was not aware of before my visit. Mm. It was a mistake, and I accept that. So to even walk into a church that believes what the Bible says about scripture, a politician now has to issue an apology. Mm. Yeah. That's what happens when the the culture's over here and the church is over here. It's very hard to straddle. Yeah, it is. And it's going to grow, and it's going to grow, it's going to grow, because more and more people in the church are going to not get a job as a doctor or a teacher or yeah. whatever, because they'll say, you don't agree with LGBTQ plus rights. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's, it's been adopted that the idea that human experience trumps scriptural authority in, in the culture, and it always will be. Uh, it, it always will be, um, because we're by nature sinful. And we've always done that with different things. Mm-hmm. The, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, he, he quotes several people, the Protestant chaplain at Wesleyan University, Gary David Comstock, um, he, he quotes Luke Timothy Johnson, who's a professor of New Testament at the Cambridge School of Theology at Emory University. So these are like big time guys at you know traditionally Protestant schools. I would use that term very loosely. Again, they fall under the really really big. One hundred and fifty years ago, they were maybe good divinity skills. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, I didn't say good. Okay, okay, okay. Good. But you know, uh, Johnson talks about. Um, I think it's important to state clearly that we do, in fact, reject the straightforward commands of Scripture and appeal instead to another authority when we declare that same-sex unions can be holy and good. Mm-hmm. And what exactly is that authority? We appeal explicitly to the weight of our own experience and the experience thousands of others have witnessed to, which tells us that to claim our own sexual orientation is, in fact, to accept the way in which God has created us. So beyond the idea, beyond the idea that they're appealing to a different authority, it brings up a completely different issue, which is, is is a sexual orientation a part of the Imago Dei, or is a sexual orientation a result of the fall? Is it a bent towards sin, or is it being created in the image of God, which creates fundamental issues with how any church can deal with the problem. If they can say, oh, well, that's just part of being made in the image of God, they erase the problem yeah, completely. Plus, that if we throw aside God's word in favor of human experience, then whose experience are we going to trust? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is the first. It's like imagine, imagine Jenga, okay? And you're, you're pulling things. You just start pulling things out at that point, and it becomes weaker and weaker. Well, I don't like this part of scripture. Mm-hmm. My experience trumps biblical authority here. Before you know it, you end up with just a Thomas Jefferson Bible where you've just cut out all the bits that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you've, and the tower might stand for a little bit, but eventually it's going to fall over. You've made an idol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that looks a lot more like you than yes. the yeah. God of the Bible. Yeah, and we all, we all, see what you said earlier, John, we, we've, humanity has done that since Genesis 3, and we all have to check our hearts because we do it in mm-hmm. different areas. It might not be homosexuality where we struggle with it maybe in other areas of our lives where we struggle and we're trying to maybe conform scripture to us and us to scripture we need to always be checking our hearts sure we all have blind spots for sure that we that we uh that we need the community to help us with the community of faith you know to um to help us to see those things. So, um, but yeah, the, the rest of this chapter, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, as part of the rest of the chapter, he talks about darkened hearts, disordered minds, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to man, but it's in the, is the way to death, you know? Um, and, and he says, any sexual sin can be justified and rationalized by sexual sinners. And, you know, the reality is that we see, sadly and unfortunately and wrongly, leaders in the church that justify and justify and rationalize and rationalize these horrific series of bad decisions that lead them to sin in sexual manners, that lead them to sin in other manners. I mean, things that have come out over the last year, the stuff with Ravi Zacharias being a a consistent um, adulterer, I mean, in addition to a manipulator and other things, like, we can rationalize anything if we try hard enough. We can create ways for us to 
skirt around issues and we can create ways to, to hide within these issues. Um, but it's because we have darkened hearts and disordered minds. And unless we allow Christ to mold and transform those hearts and minds every day, taking up our cross and giving up our desires, giving up what we think is right. When we think of who Paul's writing to, well, we've looked at the whole of Scripture, but in those passages we write to the Corinthians, the Corinthians were like, like the last Vegas of the day. Um, you know, the Romans were like, man, when they talked about sin, it would be on a Corinthian level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where some of their major temples were to some of their gods for fertility and, and, and sex and those type of things. And Paul's writing to these people and even just telling them, like a husband, only, only have sex with your wife. That was groundbreaking to them. Yeah. yeah. Like the idea of... Um, being faithful to each other in that. And it's sort of, that's now became a norm in our culture, so it's not so groundbreaking to us. But at the time, what Paul is right and called these people to do was like completely opposite of what the, of what the world wants. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and here's, and, and it's like you said uh, in your illustration, in a sense, um, more and more. Uh, there, the, the cost is is going to rise for holding this view, you know, uh, and for for taking God as word is what we're I, I believe really doing, and uh, the the cost is is only increasing, and, and it's going to it's gonna it's gonna come heavier and heavier in the days ahead. I believe as we uh, continue on the path where that are that we are in in, in this country, anyways, and. Um, you know, uh, I think about um, uh, people like, you know, pastors, even pastors that are willing to um, say things like, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to preach about that. I'm going to save that for a table talk uh, time uh, where I can look someone in the face and talk about that. Um, and I, that that's like, like, why, like, why is that that we can't say what Scripture says, you know, and uh, and, and uh, let truth be known? Like, the reality is, you're not doing any favors by not telling the truth. Like, truth telling is always good. Like, it, as long as it's accompanied by grace and love, you know, uh, the way to love people most is by telling them the truth. And it's, this, this is the case with homosexuality. Why, why do we, we hear? Go ahead with this podcast because we truly believe in our hearts that um, that this this is sin and Scripture is clear about that and that, that we all have have uh, the potential to repent of sin and trust in God's God's grace and, his, and and rest under His Word and that that is the means to satisfaction like you talked about a while ago that, that that's going to be where we find ultimate satisfaction and where we can live a life that glorifies God and so that's that's why we that's why we share the truth yeah. you know and that's why we that's why I don't I, I you know as a pastor will we'll never not preach a passage or skirt an issue because I'm not helping people when I do that. I'm not loving them well. And um, and I would say a pastor is unwilling to preach the Bible and to say what Scripture says is is not loving his his people well uh, if he's not willing to do that. And that's why expositional preaching is is so important. 
And, and, right. and so not popular, by the way, too, because you're going to have passages like that, and it's easy when you get to pick your topics to not to avoid yeah. passages like that. Yeah, it's a good thing for the congregation to hear that, mm -hmm. you know, we're a year through the book of Acts, a year through the book of Luke, and, um, you know, we were in Daniel uh, chapter 6 last week, and we're going to be Daniel chapter 7 next week, and uh, the reason why that is, is we're not coming with, hey, I've got this fun sermon that I want to do, yeah. um, we're just coming every single week and opening what God's word says mm -hmm. and reading that and yeah. preaching through it. So that's right. Um, and it's it's I guess the reason for saying that is it's it's going to become more and more popular. It's going to become uh, you know there's there could come a day where that's that's said of our church. You know um, uh, what was said about that church and and it's not because we we don't love anyone. We do love everyone, mm -hmm. but we also believe Scripture is true and right in all that it says and teaches. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I think it's also, yeah, we, we just need to be a people who do what Jesus has called us to do and love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. We love people well. Mm -hmm. And that, that means telling them the truth, but it's telling them the truth in love. Mm -hmm. And um, people people know if you're the friend or not. Mm. Mm. You have to convince people. They, they know if you care for them. Mm. Yeah, that's right. It's like if you see a drowning person, right? People will know the difference between trying to throw someone a life preserver and trying to run them down with the boat. You know, mm -hmm. there's that. In both ways, they're not in the water anymore, mm -hmm. but, you know, one has an air of compassion to it. Uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Uh, again, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about or anything else that comes up in the culture, something that uh, you may not feel like you're prepared to deal with, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, but until we see you again, we love you and we're praying for you.